Hello, nerds. Do you hear how I do that, Mike? Like, hello, nerds. Like, how about... Hello, nerds. Okay, it's fine. But, like, what I want you to do is say hello to nerds and not just be a nerd. Like, change your voice. Hello, nerds. Okay, good. More Jerry Lewis is what we always need. <laughs> Oi, Glavin. Um, I'm sort of nervous about today's show, Mike. Uh, you want to host. I'm your trainer. I'm trying to teach you how to host. And so far, it's going Poorly. Hello, nerds. Okay. Uh, I was in the middle of a sentence, so. Oh, so that wasn't the right time that, to start. That was not the best time. Uh, so I'm like, hello, nerds. And then uh, I describe the, can you, can you describe the podcast? And let me, let me tell you real quick, it is not the OCD. Okay. Hello, nerds. This is a podcast, which means you found our RSS feed on some sort of podcatcher, and you subscribed and or downloaded it, and we want to thank you for that. This specific podcast is with Mike and Ryan, because we fucking slit Taylor's throat. Today, we're going to talk about all of the TV shows that are live action based on comic books, and as Dead Taylor used to say, comic book properties. Today, we're mostly talking about Batwoman, but before that, Ryan, how's this going? Okay, so, couple of notes, Okay. Are you a good note receiver? Like, are you okay with this? I take all the notes I'm given, and then I wipe my butt and shove it in that person's face. Cool, cool. I love our working relationship. A couple of notes. One, uh, you started out going uh, through the nitty-gritty details of how podcasts work and how Mm -hmm. so many people tune in, and they're like, this is so strange that people are talking into my ears, and I don't know about the RSS feed. So you answered all those questions immediately. I, I love that. Um. After that, though, you were sort of uh, rude and hurtful to all people ever. Uh-huh. I'm a podcaster. Okay. So let's, uh, let's real quick, so we don't have to describe the podcast again, but I just want okay. you to say hello to our listeners and don't be mean, don't bully them, uh-huh. and don't be passive-aggressively mean. Just be like, let's pretend like you genuinely are glad that they're listening right now. Three, two, one, go. Hey, nerds, real glad you decided to listen to us. It really means a lot to us. Couldn't go on without ya. All right. Okay. Cool. Good. Um, instead of your idol, your mentor being some sort of really good podcaster, your mentor is my mother, and uh, <laughs> this is how you talk. You talk to all people like my mom talks to me. So let's just pretend that uh, there's no such thing as abortion, and you wish that, like, there's no, like, wishing that you could have gotten one. And, like, how about this? How about this? The only person that you like in your entire life, including your wife, is me. So, pretend that there are 10,000 Ryans listening right now. Now talk to them. Okay. T- hey, nerds! Welcome to the Superhero Hour Hour! It's so cool to see you. What's going on? Wow. That's, that, that's happiness. You are happy. That was crazy. I think you might have just fixed how I interact with the world. It's going to be, I just pretend I entered Malkovich's body as Malkovich, but instead, it's just Ryan's faces all over the place. Oh, man. And what's crazy is that uh, I'm then going to become best friends with Malkovich, and then you're going to learn to hate <laughs> Malkovich. Mm-hmm. Is that is that too dated of a reference? Is, do people know what we're talking about? Uh, if they listen to the whole family of Pop Filter podcasts, they know it's not that dated. It was just like a couple years ago in real time. Or, here's a better question. Um... We have covered, I would say, eight or nine episodes of superhero TV that are just straight up Groundhog Day. Like, yes. they, they don't care. They're not, they don't, like, it's just a thing that they can do, and they're not uh, embarrassed about it. Are we there with Bean John Malkovich? Can we turn that movie into Groundhog Day and just start copying that premise? 
We're not there yet, but I would love to be. There would have been a great Legion Malkovich episode. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's hard to tell which would be better, the Legion or the Legends episode. Oh, it's it's their shit. It's their crossover finally. But I mean, the real answer is Raising Dion, right? Like that's the show that's going to handle it the best. Yeah, I think everybody's Jason fucking Ritter. <laughs> great. That's it's the perfect actor for everyone to be. Like uh no one is excited or pissed. We're all just Jason Ritter now and this is the world we live in. Jason Ritter is the Patrick Wilson of our generation. I think it is. Yeah, I think it is. Patrick Wilson's too handsome and talented. It's Jason Ritter time. It took a while for us to realize that. Mm. And then, because he, for years, he was just a stand-in for, like, neutral actor who doesn't turn anybody's dial. But I think he does turn people's dials these days. Yeah, I, I think that uh, that girls have a thing about his, like, he looks like he's dad hot, but actually, uh-huh. actually super dad hot. Like, Oh. Way He's hotter. like Travago Man, Dad. Huh? Oh, Travago Man. Is this a thing that people know about? Oh, <sighs> is this too behind the curtain? My wife is in love with the Travago Man. If you don't know what that means, please Google Travago Man right now. It's the point like Target had uh, like full size ads in the Target, like for like not mannequins, just posters of the clothes. And there's a guy who looked like Travago Man, and we couldn't fucking leave Target because she was just sitting there standing drooling at the poster. <laughs> I mean, hold on, like a. Prepubescent horny boy? That is yes. how she acted? Yes. That's how my wife acts about not me. All right. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know if most people know about Travago Man, but I definitely do. Because uh, Renee often, when she comes over to my house, asks me to put on a Travago Man mask. And I'm not no. sure what that means. Don't, it's mostly just like gray spray paint in the hair. It's, uh, he's the perfect example of how men age better, right? Yes. That's a cliche that's not true. Unless you're the Travago man. Unless you're the Travago man. He, I bet he was a chud when he was 20, but now, hello, Mr. Travago. You know who else? Uh, the lead singer of the Flaming Lips. Oh, yeah? He's, he was probably a chud when he was younger, but goddamn, he, he, he's good looking. I can't, I, in my head, he's just like uh, the guy from Iron and Wine with less hair. Like, less of a long-ass beard. No, he's got a beard, and he's got uh, like a big fro. And Okay. I just, like, gentle masculinity is I don't know man if you could if you both be manly and not care about it at the same time poof holy sh- is greg the lead singer of the flaming lips oh yeah did i tell you by the way <laughs> that uh greg host of movie of the year a much better podcast than this um is also the lead singer of the flaming lips i've i can't believe you've kept that from me for years is tonight we are talking about batwoman and all of the rest of the shows that came out this week but before we get into that we're going to do a super secret shishi bullpen Rushmore. We are now here in the very sensual, very secret, super serious shishi bullpen. And Mike, um, this room that they brought us in to do this segment, uh, it's uh, very nice couches, mm-hmm. but they're those couches that are like a circle. With like the thing in the middle, and then you sit around them. Who is that for? Just to to highlight who has, the game is who has the worst back, and whoever gets up or collapses first loses. Is there is this comfortable for? Is anybody like, oh shit, my favorite couch? Let me get on that. I think it's for like for clubs in the seventies started using them because then you can interact. Like, oh, our hands sort of touched, and now we're making out on the couch, stranger. But you can't do that with a normal couch. You know what it is? It's uh that couch is to clubs as uh um separating seats is in a park on a bench for homeless people mm. we just want the appearance of a seat but you may not you, you, don't, you do not want to say here yeah 
the couches I really like, uh, been going through Halt and Catch Fire, not a superhero show, I know. Uh, but Joe, no, it's a, that's his- a, that's a, like a cop duo, aren't they? Yeah. Halt and Catch uh-huh. Fire. Sergeant <laughs> Halt and Captain Catch Fire. It's after Rizzoli and Isles. Uh, Joe, once he moves to San Francisco, has that where the living room is a floor down and you like have to take three stairs down. That's oh, like yeah, yeah, sunken. Yeah. I love sunken, that yeah. shit. Uh, Brady Bunch, uh, Don Draper's apartment when he got divorced was sunken. Yeah. It's weird and there's no point. No. Which, which is what dates it immediately. Like nobody yeah. was like, oh, we're going to do this for every generation. They were like, nope, just this one generation is the only time we're going to do this. I can't wait till the pyramided up living room. You walk five steps up and it's just above everywhere else. What I want is not the, the lowered living room, but from Parasite, the raised toilet. I want to climb up on a big step, like in Parasite, to like just take a fat dump. That's all right, Mike. All toilets. Um, some of our listeners are better than others, and they sent us emails. We have so much to talk about tonight. We don't have time for this, but you know what? We're going to sacrifice and give them a moment. Mike, who's got the first email? Okay, this is, uh, I guess they sign at the end. They say, sign, stain the main. Weird thing mm-hmm. to say signed by, but uh, from Stay in the Main in Michigan, dearest Taste Buds, with Marvel continuing to expand and even bringing characters we never thought we could see in the MCU, I'm thinking about the earlier attempts at making Marvel superheroes work. So yeah, which pre-2000s version of a hero would you want to be used in the MCU? Pre-2000s version of a hero? Yeah, so I guess they're saying like, if it were like, pre-X-Men, like all the movies that were in Marvel what would we could just import into the MCU? And pre-giant size X-Men. Right. Not X-Men, but Annual. the 1970s. Um, my big one for a really long time is now being done. Uh, I had no idea about my affinity for She-Hulk. But, Mike, I fucking love She-Hulk. That's the one that uh, I was super nervous about. Uh, so I guess I will say, because I can't say that, um, Dracula? Dracula from the Tomb of? From the Tomb of. Did you know that Marvel spent decades still with a toe in the horror waters and just put Dracula in the MCU? And he was around, like, he fought Blade, right? Isn't that where Blade showed up first? Mm-hmm. And he fought Moon Knight. Uh-huh. And later he fought the X-Men. Why, yeah, why isn't, like, they, they should really let themselves go batshit and pull in Dracula. This is why Blade was interesting is because uh, all the non-vampires were like, you fucking Havzy. And then Dracula was like, you fucking Havzy. And where does Blade belong? Where, where does Blade belong? Where does, he ha- who, where does he go to Thanksgiving? I don't like that they call him Mudblood. That feels rude. <laughs> but fun to say. Um, there's also Frankenstein and there's also Hercules. And let's be mm. honest, there's also Thor. Thor is not a thing that Marvel created. Right. So does Thor open up the door for other these characters to be in the MCU that are also in other worlds? Yeah, I think so. I think Thor opens up the door. A lot of people are arguing that Thor Ragnarok version of Thor means we're not going to see Hercules, but I disagree because our Thor has some self-awareness and heart, and the Hercules I know and love is just an arrogant fuckhead. Uh, the Hercules you know and love is now a fucking MAGA hat-wearing tattooed yes. on his forehead I love Trump idiot Kevin Sorbo is an arrogant fuckhead and that's what oh. I want in the MCU also and you don't know this yet but we'll talk about this on a different podcast later the father of Ryan Atwood he is? he is Walking Tall the sequel himself? he is alright uh, so yeah uh, what do you pick? what do you think? you have, uh, you have three seconds you gotta go I, right now Mike please talk I, 
I thought they meant the movie, so I wanted motorcycle helmet Captain America. We oh, took I see. it differently ways, but yeah. you, I, yours was interesting. My, I thought they meant like, what stupid fucking shit from the '90s do you want to see in the, the MCU? Try to make it work. Oh man, it's a uh, '90s armor Daredevil, '90s armor Spider Man, '90s armor Cable. <laughs> I want everyone to have armor and pouches. Yeah, why isn't? I would like Deadpool three to have him try to get up, but have too many pouches and fall over. That's or, not above them. Have some sort of time travel thing where he has to be a 70s, 80s, 90s superhero. So yes. he fights Luke Cage and Dracula. He, uh, he has to go through Frank Miller making everything dark and terrible. Come on, Deadpool Fucking writers. Take that, Ryan Reynolds. He has to go through 2014's uh, TJ Miller outing. <laughs> just deal with that. All right, Mike, what's the second email? Hi, Taste Buds. I just want you to know that you are really my friends. You are with me in every stage of my life for five years now. When I was a kid, I used to finish my homework and all my studies so that I could listen to podcasts for you. Aww. Now I'm biochemist. Even when I'm in the lab, I listen and re-listen to the shows. You're really with me in every breath I take. My only dream in this life is to see you one day in front of my eyes. I want nothing else. Just one look at you, and that's all. All my everything. T. T. Okay. So the T (sighs) could mean a bunch of different names, right? I guess. Tyler, Tuler, Torler, Trevor, Trevor, Trevor Timmer, Trivago, Trivago Man, <laughs> which he legally changed his name to. Um, that's cool, but like this is a uh, this you know th- th- this is what's uh, this is what's hard about being famous is that like this is going to happen to you. You know, it's it's a little it's a little unnerving that they just want to see us with their own real eyes. My biggest issue is not his obsession with us, because I get that, but his obses- uh, his thing where he said, not that I'm a biochemist, but he said, I'm biochemist. Like, yeah. does he think that he's the only one now? Maybe they think they're a superhero. Oh, man, that's weird. There's a lot of, uh, they, I guess I couldn't convey this, there's no capitalization. There's a lot of extraneous commas, and I don't mean like split infinitives, I mean like five commas in a row after some statements. But we have handled this. We have uh, security at the studio that we record. The live audience has to answer a question when they come in. Uh, the security says, are you obsessed with these people? And they say no. And then they can just come in and watch the show. Yeah. So we really gonna... like ambivalent fans. Yeah. All right. You ready for another one? Please. Uh, this is from Destiver Moines in Des Moines. You guys don't often mention that you wear diapers. Why am I not? Uh, Because we don't. We're just pissing on stage, Destiver. (laughs) Wait. (laughs) If you don't wear a diaper, you could go to a bathroom. Hmm? No. I think if you don't wear a diaper, you're just going right there. Why don't we just wear diapers? And I would say, like, when you say, uh, when do we wear or not wear diapers, I would say, depends. Ah! Thank you. Thank you, guys. I don't get it. Oh, uh, diapers are a thing that you... uh, Ready for the next one? Email? Sure. <clears throat> this is from Starfin Bubble Up in Huntington Beach, California. Hey, our uh, origin stories. <clears throat> Taylor has been accused of burning down over 54 buildings in the Brooklyn area, yet you continue to do a show with him. Is this because he hasn't been found guilty, or do you just not give a shit about all of the lives and architecture lost? Uh, yeah, due process, motherfucker. I don't believe anything unless it goes through a court of law and a judge definitely says it's now not okay to podcast. Taylor is a straight white male. I wonder if Taylor was a black female, if you would be saying the same thing, or you just love him because he's straight white and male, Mike. 
no due process, man. If if the law comes down harder against not straight white males, it's probably. I mean, I believe the law. Justice is blind. Taylor's burning down buildings. I'm burning down the patriarchy, and I'm saying that you have one woke host on this show, and it's me and not Mike. What am I? Unwoke. Asleep. A sleepy dude. Asleep at the goddamn wheel. Also, uh, interesting thing about this email, it says, uh, uh, do you not give a shit about all the lives and architecture lost? I feel like if you're writing a sentence, you would put the most important thing last. Mm-hmm. This guy cares more about the structure and the design of the buildings than he does about all the babies that are dead. Oh, are these specifically nurseries that Taylor's <laughs> quote-unquote allegedly burned down? Just baby factories, yeah. Just real beautiful. Yeah, everybody says. They look at the fucking, and they're like, I bet that beautiful building, that has to be a nursery. Okay, look, let's, joking aside, sure, Taylor did all that, but, like, I don't want to do bits anymore. I want a real question to ask you. Have you ever seen architecture before, and you were like, damn, that, I like that building? I think so. It's never the fucking neoclassical, look at what the Greco-Romans did, we just did it again bullshit. That feels like what people, it's like with art, you're like, well, I've heard people say this is great, so I guess I'm going to pretend to think this is great. Is it ever uh, Frank Lloyd Wright, I would have put a bunch of curvy lines on a thing, and now yeah. you like it? Let MC Escher build a house. I love that. And that is Frank Lloyd Wright. I'm into that shit. Yeah, there's a waterfall over nowhere and you're not going to get through this door without getting wet. I'm into it. One time, I've never appreciated architecture, but one time I saw a house that was a perfect rectangle with an exact slopey roof and one chimney and exact windows and a door and there was a sun and it was all designed in crayon and that is the house of my dreams. That's what I like. breathtaking. That is gorgeous architecture. Isn't that awesome? Uh, all right, so uh, that last guy who emailed, uh, actually everyone who emailed, you're in a bad place in your life and you need help. <laughs> like, please don't email us again. But new people, please email us. Contact yes. at yourpopfilter.com. And we will not judge your extreme psychosis. When we come back, that woman. This week's episode of Batwoman, Kate and Sophia hash out their past, try and figure out who's in love with who. Meanwhile, Julia Pennyworth, does that last name ring a bell? What, what, what? Uh, is in town, and she and Kate try and figure out who's in love with who. Mean, meanwhile, the sniper's in town with a gun that kills superheroes, and the sniper and the gun figure out who's in love with who. Mike, I ask you this. On this, our first time we're focusing on Batwoman. Let's have the conversation. Is the CW the best channel at handling LGBTQ plus characters? I think the CW has shown it's pretty good at it in shows like Riverdale and Supergirl. Uh, Arrow had some. Uh, Arrowhead? I don't. I don't know. So my issue here. So there's kind of two through lines going through this specific episode, right? And I probably a lot of Batwoman. Uh, and it's all leading up to Kate getting kicked out of military school where Sophia lied and dis- I think had to sign a memorandum denouncing homosexuality. <laughs> and Kate was like, nope, I'm out on that. And I love this girl. And, and Sophia was like, nope, never did, never will. Not just that like she's not gay, but homosexuality does not exist. That's what she signed. And I believe that that was... 
I think in the the show like six or seven years ago, and that the military has never done well by our LGBTQ brethren. Uh, what I th- rolled my eyes hard at, and it felt too clunky, is in modern day getting kicked out of a restaurant for two women holding hands. Uh, I think that one was almost afraid that we wouldn't get what it's trying to say, and does things like that, and that is ham-fisted. Okay, so... We have an hour of Batwoman doing Batwoman things, and then uh, Kate thinking about Sophia, and Sophia thinking about Kate, and do they love each other, do they not, and they decide to meet at a restaurant, and they decide to sort of hash it out, and I, I don't think that either one of them knows what they're going to say. No, I, like, and I like that. Yeah, I think that they're both confused as to who they love and why and what, but uh, at some point, Kate, Batwoman, uh, touches Sophia's hands, and the most... Uh, uh, ushery, the most like hosty host of a restaurant comes over and says, I believe, and let me quote, because I think he's also the person that kicked Ferris Bueller out of his restaurant. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, Madame, it is 1986. You cannot touch hands with another woman. Where are they, Mike? His excuse was she had sneakers on because he didn't want to say two women touched hands. And I've, I mean, good point. I've never seen women who are friends in a non-romantic relationship ever touch hands uh and so also like use her sneakers against her a little bit it, it is on kate because kate sneakers go on feet she was wearing them yes. on her hands that's why he freaked out and that's a little odd uh-huh. uh but so yeah they get kicked out because this fucking bigot and kate makes a big deal of it uh as she should and then they leave and sophia was like was that necessary yeah you fucking coward so i guess i don't like how ham-fisted that was, but I do like showing that Sophia has a years-long, not just resistance to like her going down for being gay, but is upset that anybody is going to be proud of being gay. Yeah, I'm, they're trying to do a thing where like they're both right because they're both extreme. Like Sophia is too uh, calm by half, right? Sophia is mm-hmm. too weak by half, and Kate is too uh, overt by half. I don't think, so. man. If somebody kicks you out of a restaurant for being gay, burn that motherfucker down. Like, I don't. I think Kate was too mellow. And then when Kate brings up the past, Sophia's like, "Don't even go there. Fuck you, man. Yes, go there. You, fuck. I, I, I loathe. I loathe this character now, Sophia. Yes. But here's my issue, though, is that like the CW or the the showrunners wanted to do a thing. They wanted to have this Kate versus Sophia foil, right? Like, let's show how the characters are different. The way that they got them into the situation is the most absurd, out-of-date, insane, there's no yes. way that would happen. And we're supposed to ignore it. We're only supposed to see the – we're only supposed to look at, like, the outcome of the fight. But no, mm. you actually have to have your characters be in organic situations where they react organically. Both of them should have been like, what? Are you what fucking – What is it? My, my wife was going in and out while I was watching it, and she was just like, I don't know. Gotham City isn't real, so maybe it's really bigoted there. I was like, that's that's an insane statement. I, I like I, I allow that like, okay, there's gods here and they fight gods, so we have to allow for other wacky shit. Yeah. But not that. <laughs> it's, like, it's also like we've seen Central City, we've seen National City, we've seen Star City. No like is Gotham known? Is Gotham in the deep south Missouri in this version of the uh, DC universe? This is why it's weird to me because most CW shows, and I do think CW is probably the best, is like if I had to name like 30 character traits of yours. How long would I go until I said straight? Probably, I don't know if you'd get there. Right. I probably would not that- say that you're straight. And 
with gay characters, it's not their number one trait. It's not their 30th trait. It's a thing that it, it's like what they put like putting their dick in, and that's it. It's not that much about them. And CW's right. done a pretty good job of saying, like, this character's gay, means nothing, we're all people, let's move on. And mm-hmm. then Batwoman, I feel like, said, oh, you know what? We have not, like, got our podium together yet. We have not, like, given a big speech. And that's what happened in this scene. And not realizing, like, you don't need the big speech. You could just naturally have people deal with it. Even if, like, I, I think it's really interesting to deal, especially the background these women had in the military, to have different handles on that. But like you said, it has to be a natural fight. It, it can't, that, the, what the Ferris Buellerian scenario they gave us gets in the way of what they're trying to do and say. And and, and sh- I think they want to show nuance. They I think they, they're like, we're saying there's not just one Lesbian perspective. Look at all these different ways you can handle life. Yeah. I think that Kate and I do think that Sophia is coming from a real place. She cares about her job and she's nervous about what Gotham City will think. Uh, and like she doesn't want to be pigeonholed. Let's get to Jacob Kane. And Jacob Kane, for uh, seven episodes, has sort of been like, well, it's Batwoman's dad, but he might be terrible. Uh, Jacob Kane sits down with Sophia when they're in military school and says, mm-hmm. look, my daughter's a bitch. And uh, she's a punk rock, and that's whatever. Uh, she's going to flop out of school and be a dud for her life. What I don't care about is that uh, she's a lesbian and that you were her lover, but you should drop. You should like not drop out of school. You should definitely go against what Kate wants and stay in school. Did you buy Jacob Kane as an understanding, progressive, thoughtful person that Sophia will admire for the rest of her life, or as probably a homophobe that is saying it in different words? I... That's interesting because I guess I thought that was what was so fascinating about that flashback speech was he was burning Kate by saying all that. She was like, but she'll be strong no matter what. What he was saying to Sophia is you as a person are not strong enough to be who you are out in the open. Kate will be fine. You will not be. You need this more than anything. Yeah, uh, I think that my daughter is punk rock to the point of being a terrible person. And also, I have way more faith in you, Sophia, my not daughter, than my actual daughter. So I'm going to sit here on this bench and like be your mentor instead of my stupid daughter. And she, I don't know if they'd really met at that point because it was seven years ago, and she bought it and betrayed the person she was in love with, signed the "I don't believe homosexuality exists" paper, and then later in life is going to turn Kate into her dad. Oh yeah, what, uh, what, as Batwoman. So this is I fucking she is my least favorite character in TV right now. Not because you don't like her because she's so well written, but because she's poorly written. I guess she's poorly written and it makes her all her motivations seem really shitty and selfish and not in an interesting way. She goes in to uh uh tell Jacob Kane that uh his daughter is Batwoman and she says she's doing it to protect Kate. But do you buy that? Or is she no. just Jacob's little good daughter? Jacob's little good daughter, and one and once the Batwoman, like I think she thinks this will shut Kate out and maybe make her leave because we also find out that her husband doesn't know her sexuality is fluid, and he's I mean he's not a good dude either. He flips out when he finds out she used years ago she was dating a woman, even though they've been now married for a couple of years. He freaks out and is like. Oh, are you still into her? That's like if you found out your wife dated somebody once, uh-huh. and so now you freak out and scream, are you still into them? And But I do think that they're doing a good job of not having that character. Sophia is, is it fiancé or husband? Husband. Husband. And he's not full-on Bradley Cooper from Wedding Crashers, white preppy asshole. Uh, he's just like, he thinks that what he's doing is right, 
But no, he's just a fucking terrible idiot white asshole. I think they're doing a good job with him. Really? Yeah. I think I, th- I think it's more subtle than what I would expect from a show like this. Gotcha. Because so much of what they're doing is not subtle. Uh, can we hard shift uh, into some of the other characters? Watchmen? Let's just talk about Watchmen. Uh, the I don't remember her name, but uh, Kate's stepsister, mm-hmm. who who really wants a relationship with Kate, and I find their interactions interesting. But uh, she, as an adult, is freaking out that her parents or her mom and her stepdad are getting divorced to the point where she's going to the divorce proceedings even though the dad's out of town. And she's just like, Kate, why aren't you helping me hold our parents together? Grow up, you selfish twat. What the fuck are you talking about? And let me, uh, as someone who has been through all types of divorce, let me tell you that the, the, the divorce where your biological parents get a divorce, uh, that one's hard. But when future step-parents, your parent and a step-parent get a divorce, that is the easiest, like, do-nothing, no-problem thing of all time. Even if it's not, you don't fucking try to parent trap them back together and yell at your siblings for just being adult about it. Like, it's, it, she is, I think, supposed to be in med school, so she is an adult person. But I, I think the show is going to focus on, from here on out, how do we, how do we get rid of Sophia? Because Mike doesn't like her. And how, yes. how do we get rid of Jake? Is he good or bad? But the stepsister is staying. Mm-hmm. And while watching, I sort of thought about that the Batman of our childhood was loner... Rorschach, Frank Castle. And then the Batman of like the last decade is coming to terms with the fact that he has seven Robins uh-huh. and needs them. And they all admire him and he needs their support and also admiration. That's sort of like what our Batman is. And I think that what we, what we may be watching is Kate saying, here's my first, not Robin, like, in the crime fighting field, but right. I can't be alone. And Jake, Her emotional support, Robin. Right. And she's so... Kate is very, like, 70s Clint Eastwood. And uh-huh. uh, her stepsister is so, uh, like, 2010s Paris Hilton. <laughs> yes. So we get, like... There's, like, a comic foil effect from the two of them. But also, Kate understands, like, oh, my God. I did not see this coming, but I care about this person. And I think that we're going to hang out. The end of the episode ends with uh, Kate deciding to use the money she has to buy a gay space bar. and open a gay bar uh, across the across the street from the very bigoted restaurant. Uh-huh. I, I'm I'm more in than I've been on Batwoman. Based on I would love to watch Kate and her Paris Hilton sister run a gay bar in Gotham and then sometimes go fight crime. That sounds fucking delicious. Oh my god! If her sister Alice or whatever her name is. And this oh, evil Alice. Evil Alice. And the sniper from this episode, and last week we talked about the executioner. If all three of them were like, oh, did not know you wanted to focus on a gay bar, we will leave you alone, and you just run that and figure out your own Sam and Diane thing at this new bar uh, called Queers, because it rhymes with cheers. Um, that would be, I would so much be more into that show. And just like the going they open on. a rival bar just to be like, Ooh, the villain so bar. Some, I, I, yeah, like it's almost like the... The one from Gotham. They basically just take over the lease from Barbara Keene. Look, here's uh, this is not about TV. This is about how you live your life and how you do business. Uh, a bar kicked Kate out, so she opened a gay bar across the street, and then villains were kicked out of that bar, and they opened a bar across the other street. Only open bars for revenge. That's what yes. we're saying. Bad news bears your whole fucking life. Do everything based on revenge. How does this sit with you in your, oh, I'm just going to watch a CW show and I know what to expect? It, 
I like that they don't do flashbacks. I guess I don't like her letters to Bruce. It's fine, man. It's middle of the road. I guess it's never going to make me as mad as The Flash does because I don't think its heights have ever been there. Like, I've been burned too many times. But I'm not, like, super bummed. When we checked in, like, a scene where Luke Fox is having a conversation with himself while she just shadow boxes and ignores him. <laughs> I fucking love that kind of CW shit. Yeah. That, 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 that's what we sign up for, for sure. Um, we have been harsh towards uh, Rupert Rosebert. Critics mm-hmm. have not. Critics sort of say she's doing a really good job. She's very talented. She is uh, basically uh, Melissa Benoist. Do you, Critics are up their own butts. Do you think that she is falling into her role? This, this was less arduous to watch than the first couple. Her, her specifically. She was less arduous to watch than the first couple. But it's a combination of an actor who can't really act, who always kind of tries to act tough, with a character who's written like they're very tough. Somebody should start making fun of her. Instead of being afraid of her, Luke should start like taking the hot air out of her sails. Angela, what's her name? Lansbury. Nope. <laughs> Once again, Mike, I can't believe I have to tell you this again. I'm not talking about Angela Lansbury. Uh, Angela from Watchmen, Angela Abar. Yes. Uh, has to come up. Somebody like that has to come up to uh, Ruby or Batwoman or whoever she is and just be like, ooh. Yes. Real tough. <laughs> She should just show up in every show to do that to the person that would who's be awesome. being too tough. She just force gumps her way through every show. <laughs> uh, and then finally we have to talk about, I was, I gotta say, and you always tell me that I'm an idiot who never sees things coming, but I was surprised that Jake Kane, Batwoman's father, finds out who Batwoman is. And I was like, oh shit, game changer. This show's gonna be different forever. And then what they do is what we classically call a daredevil. Because for some uh, reason, Matt Murdock is always either hiring other superheroes to dress like Daredevil or farming out to say, like, I will dress like you. If, yes. you, if somebody thinks that you're you, I'll dress like you. And they <laughs> totally do that at the end. Um, uh, uh, Sophia is talking to Kate, and Sophia knows that Kate is Batwoman. And then mm-hmm. Julia Pennyworth dresses Batwoman comes in, and Sophia is like, what? <laughs> I did a, that's the best reaction I've seen from anybody in that fight. Like, because she's already ratted Kate out to her dad. Mm. So at this point, she looks and feels and is the biggest asshole. I loved it. And then uh, to prove Kate that I guess she should do this to people, let them wear her wig, uh, Julie gets shot with superhero killing gun right away. Just immediately. When I... Uh- Sophia was like, uh, no, I think you're Batwoman. And Kate was like, uh, are you serious? Me with red hair. Was uh, that line supposed to make fun of the Batwoman costume or just make fun of all people that have red hair? I think I think, I think, think it's a very progressive show when it comes to sexuality. But I think like... Regressive. The, it's very aggressive like every show is, except for Riverdale, uh, against redheads. I think it's I think it's super awesome. I think it's super cool that like in 2019 we're trying to be like not racist and accepting of all cultures and genders and uh, sexualities and we all love everything. But the one thing that all of society can agree on is that redheads are terrible. Well, it's very hilarious, Ryan, because South Park once said redheads have no souls, so it's super funny to say that all of the time. I I also have freckles. Did you know that? Like I don't just have the red hair. I also have freckles. I'm. Into freckles, I don't know. Mike, are you more or less likely to watch an episode of Batwoman after watching this episode? Uh, I'd say more. Me too. Do you know what I don't want? Uh, another uh, person who needs uh, wind taken out of their sails. Uh, 
I don't really love the character of Alice. And if you're going to rhyme, make it a fucking rhyme. She does this like sing-song thing at the end of the episode and not a single line rhymed. Fuck you. Commit to your character and actually do the work, man. Her rap was, uh, my name is Alice. That rhymes with ballast. A word that doesn't exist is flawless. You know, like that's not mm-hmm. a good rap. That is a better rhyme than what she did. All right. So Batwoman's still on. Uh, I think it's okay. It's the worst, though. Yes. Of the CW she has, shows. She has such a big pre- that, that they just released the poster this week uh, for Crisis, and there's like 18 characters on it, and she's front and, like, she's in the middle is the biggest part. I was like, don't do that. Don't make us, she, don't do that. And also, I'm going to do an ad real quick. Uh, make sure that you subscribe, listen, and uh, rate all of our podcasts, and if you see an ad for Crisis, please put a sticker of me and Mike on that poster so it looks like that we're also in Crisis. Oh, do that. Because we should we be, right? Crisis. I mean, emotionally we are. We are us in this dimension. Which CW actor is you in a different dimension? Probably f- fucking Ragman, because we don't see him anymore. <laughs> Ragman was cool. Ragman was fine. Uh, is mine Mick? Yeah, you're definitely Mick. Yeah, because I'm fire and I'm lit. When we come back, the rest of the show. Mike, this is not just the pull list, but I think a record-breaking pull list. We're about to enter into the longest pull list that has ever happened on this show or any other show. Where we talk about all the rest of the shows that came out this week. And starting with, and always, is The Watchmen. This week on Watchmen, we learn Looking Glass was in Hoboken the night the squid fell on New York, killing most of the people around him and leaving him with psychic PTSD. That mirrored material seems to help. The Seventh Cavalry figures out who Glass is and tries to bring him to their side, leading him to get Angela arrested by the FBI. Meanwhile, Vate temporarily escapes and spells out Save Me and the clone corpses on a moon near Mars. Ryan Budd, I ask you this. What character left would you want to have an episode devoted to them? Oh, man. Great question. And so many people are saying that, like, uh, Watchmen can't keep going for multiple seasons because they are burning through plot. But... Damon Lindelof is the king of the focus on one character, mm-hmm. so I feel like they could and should go forever. Mike, if the show leaves, I don't know what I'm going to do with my People life. People are saying the show's going too fast. That's insane. It feels uh, perfectly plotting. Like I don't, I'm, we're not burning through nap time here. To get back to your question, uh, my first answer is She-Hulk. I do have an affinity for her, uh, and I'm nervous about saying Panda. Do we like that? We just don't know why. Uh, they don't have the internet, so they just put this dirty fat guy and made him the internet. It feels like uh, once the cops all, it's not just you can wear masks, you have to. This is a cop who'd been like, he's Carl Winslow. He's been a cop for fucking years. And he looks around and goes, this is stupid as hell. I guess give me that rotten panda mask. I'll wear that if I have to. Do you prefer a Michael Winslow where he was just making sound effects the entire time? Yeah, oh, through the panda mask? But as long as they're only uh, panda sounds, so it's a lot of just like, Leaf eating? Uh, it's a good question. I'm not sure. This episode, though, uh, I didn't... I bet before I watched this, I wouldn't have said Looking mm-hmm. Glass. I would have just said, you know what? I'm fine with the amount of Looking Glass that we get, even though this is like a name Oscar-nominated actor. Um, but watching what he goes through, he says at a certain point, um, uh, Tulsa, Oklahoma people aren't ever going to admit that they're scared. Mm-hmm. Because uh, he uh, he watches people watch commercials and then judges whether they're telling the truth or not. And 
having that be his entire episode of I'm not scared. I'm not I, I I swear to God I'm not scared. And then just dealing with that, like the fact that he's lying and knows he's lying, is it, it was fascinating. Yeah, it, so yeah, he's a he's he's a brand consultant when he's not a secret cop, which is really interesting. And it the way that ties into everything else, and then he leads the eleven two grief group while like he's saying like you can get through it, look at me while hiding that he's wearing the tin, the literal tinfoil hat that even people who believe in uh, trans-dimensional squids are like, well, that's crazy to wear tinfoil on your head. Uh, yeah, he's super, like, Buster Scruggs is such a good actor, and that's just his name now. Uh, and then this episode gave us Trixie from Deadwood. Yes. Uh, as one of the Seven the Cavalry members who, like, leads him slash seduces him to try to get him. I do what I do like. Uh, cause he told Angela that when she found the cloak in the sheriff, the, the KKK garb, he was like, yeah, he's a white man in Oklahoma. I was like, Oh, is this leading us to, he's going to be a racist too. And he's like, instantly he's like, fuck everything you guys are doing. And so he, uh, he meets Trixie at the thing at the, uh, the meeting and then they go to a bar and she's into him. And then, uh, she gets a ride in a truck and it's a familiar looking truck. Uh, uh, I sort of remember this truck. And then a whole head of lettuce flies out of the truck. Uh-huh. And I, I sort of rolled my eyes. Uh-huh. Come on, Watchmen. Why are you being so obvious? We all know what the truck is. Uh, and then later, Trixie reveals that it was all done on purpose because you think you're a good cop and you would just follow these stupid clues right into the heartland. And we learned that we've already had issues with Joe, the senator, because he's a oh. handsome politician. And it turns out he... and we. We were not Joe Keen about Joe Keen, if you know what I'm saying. I think I do. Uh, it turns out he is the head of the 7th Cavalry. And he's, he pitches to Looking Glass that him and Judd split the cops and the cavalry to make less violence happen, that they would both lead these very violent organizations. And Joe Keen does this very baller thing, like this very confident alpha thing of, uh, you're not kidnapped, you're not captured, you can leave whenever you want. I'm going to show you this video, and then... I'm so convinced that I'm right that I'm just going to let you walk and do what you're going to do because I think you're going to do the right thing. And I started to get nervous, like, oh, my God, now we've lost Looking Glass. Mm -hmm. You know, now Looking Glass believes the truth, which is weird because everyone should, but I don't want them to, and that's hard. And then uh, Buster Scruggs goes back home knowing the truth, can barely function at any point, Uh and then uh, throws away his alarm that is going to tell him about a squid attack, and he now knows that to be false and fabricated by Ozymandias, and then goes back to the trash can and gets the alarm because he's thinking that his old life is better than his new life. It's, uh, and that's the moment of the week. It's the dude from The Matrix who's like, I just want to eat a steak and know it's a steak again. Yeah, I, I, I miss that steak so much. But I think it's also that truth is malleable, that – just knowing that the squids aren't from another dimension doesn't mean his PTSD will go away. Right. And so the question that is not asked by the episode uh, thematically, but literally by characters, it's not what is the truth, but is there such a thing? Mm -hmm. And that's what they all keep trying to figure out is, uh, I have this truth. Can it be proven true or untrue? And I guess the answer is no. And that's what's so interesting, because I don't think he's on the 7th Cavalry or Joe Keene's side now, but he is still throwing Angela under the bus with the FBI, because he realizes there's more than two teams here. So Joe Keene says that uh, if 
uh, Buster Scruggs does not do exactly what he wants, then he's going to go kill Angela. And in the meantime, Buster Scruggs is trying to figure out what these pills are uh, from Angela's grandfather. And so uh, he does throw one under the bus. But is that because he watched the joking video and knows the truth or knows that Angela is safe? Is he protecting her? Not fucking He's her. protecting her, for sure. And also, I think because he knows Angela well enough that if he explained to her what's going on, she would go blow up somebody's house. Like, she's not... A, she's some sort of Rorschach? She's not a sit-and listener. Yeah, she, uh-huh. she, I, I do think that's... She has that Rorschach trait in her of, I don't care what the long game is, here's what is black and white. And, yeah, I think that that's why Buster Scruggs and uh, Sally Blake... Mm-hmm. Uh, are going to probably be partners because they're the only people that understand that gray is the only area you can work in. Yes. Right? Like, Rorschach wore that mask so everyone knew that he thought in black or white. Right. And that was it. Uh, But that's not how you can actually get through life. And the problem is that that's also how Ozymandias thought when he made all of his decisions in the comic book. Mike... Uh, I'm going to skip other shows because we're going to keep talking about Watchmen. Uh, We also see something that Zack Snyder never showed us. Zack Snyder, in his movie, could not show us the squid attack because it was too close to 9-11 and seeing uh, New York be attacked would be too much. In this episode, uh, we start in New Jersey, we see a young Buster Scruggs, and then we pull back in a way that I can only think cost hundreds of millions of dollars. All the way to New York, and we see the squid. What'd you think, bro? It looked surprisingly good. I think keeping it under dark lights was smart. Uh, I was surprised to see, even though we knew in this world the squid attack did happen. And also, the squid didn't fight anybody. Ozymandias just dropped it on the city. It was just a giant uh-huh. thing dropped. Uh, yeah, it, it, fucking, it was awesome. And knew how portals work because the Rorschach team is throwing basketballs through a mm-hmm. portal and they land randomly. But I feel like Ozymandias purposefully picked that one spot. He, no, right? he he was aiming for Hoboken, actually. All right, we have to move on. Mike, your moment of the week. Uh, it is uh, Sally, Blake, and Looking Glass are talking. And she keeps calling like Mirror Master or Mayor Man or Broken Mirror. And he's, like, he's, he's just very defeated. I know you know it's Looking Glass. <laughs> like. Uh-huh. And that's how she rolls. She, like, pettily makes fun mm. of people. Like, she, she's sort of a bully. Sweet. Watchmen is on HBO every Sunday night. Our next show is Raising Dion. On the seventh episode of Raising Dion, Dion is taken to the hospital for a mysterious ailment, and everyone is worried the doctors will discover his powers. This episode features a character named Lars, who also played Deputy Tyler on Swamp Thing, Hellgramet on Supergirl, a preacher on Preacher, Cutter on Powers, and Knife Smock Man on The Walking Dead. Wow. Mike, is this guy going in our Hall of Fame? He wants to be. I think he's a little too thirsty for it. and That's why we've like we've noticed you, man, before this. But I guess good for you. We're talking about you. Has anyone ever been on more shows than that? Like, I don't think so. I, I, I think now I'm blanking out that we've had a few repeats for sure. Uh, Piper on... Shield, and she's also a DEO agent in Supergirl. I think she's shown mm-hmm. up on one of our other shows before, but I think I think it's hard to beat three. That's two. Ruth Nega from this Shield. Is six. And yeah, six. Uh, he wins it. You have not asked me what his name what is. What is his name? Justice Leak. Okay, he can't but help but be in these kinds of shows. 
His name is Justice Leak, and he was born in the United States. He is the Justice Leak of America, Mike. <laughs> what do we do with this information? I feel like we should do something. Do you think he just screams Justice Leaks every time he pees? <laughs> I do, so I hope he does. Raising Dion is on Netflix all the time. Your next show is Daybreak. This week on Daybreak. Imagining his legacy as narrated by Riza, Wesley plans a homecoming dance while Eli campaigns for the crown and Angelica tries to set up Josh. Ryan, I ask you this. What dumb mundane activity, like a homecoming dance, would you try to recreate post-apocalypse? Ooh, and I can't say homecoming dance? That does feel up my alley. Uh, I guess I would say um, elementary school recital. I feel like that no matter how terrible things are, we need, uh, for some reason, we just want to watch kids uh, show how little talent yeah, they have. Yeah, watching some kids freak out uh, and, like, throw too much, go too big into their part, watch some kids just cry but still get through their lines, watch some kids just sit on the stage. And, you know, there's going to be a fucking Justice League kid who's going to be like, I know there's an apocalypse going on right now, but I have to nail this part or otherwise uh, second apocalypse. That w- it would cause. That's so what you tell right before all, and I tell this to normal little kids in my life, right before they perform is, if you fail, the world will end. Just to see uh-huh. what it does to them. The problem is that that convinces them all to fail, and then there's no apocalypse. Well, now they, they know there. there's never an end to anything, and life just keeps on plodding along. Daybreak is on Netflix all the time. Our next show is Titans. On this week's episode of Titans, Dick realizes that Jericho is still alive inside of Deathstroke's body. Meanwhile, Bruce Wayne invites the rest of the Titans to dinner to try and convince them to reunite the team. Mike, I ask you this. Do you think Bruce sat at one end of a 40-foot-long dinner table and the rest of the Titans sat at the other end? I fucking hope so. That's how Bruce Wayne eats. He does not eat with anybody in a 40-foot radius around him. Look, I get how he's so rich he has to have a 40-foot dinner table, but why every time he takes a bite he has to say, this is how Bruce Wayne eats. (laughs) That gets annoying. Every bite? That's so many. You want him to just guzzle it all in one bite. It's also weird to put all 12 people on one end of the table. They're just elbowing each other. They're so crowded in. Oh, no, this is not, they're not all spread out across 40 feet. Yeah, they're, it's one person, and then on the other end, five people in one spot. He's like, it, it happened once, and it was a pretty good night for me, so now this is the way I make everybody eat with me. <laughs> Titans is on the DC streamy thing every Friday. <laughs> what is that shit called? Nobody cares. The next show is The End of the Fucking World. This week on The End of the Fucking World, after Alyssa confronts James and the two fill each other in on their lives, she gets married. And then promptly bails on life to run away with James. Wackiness ensues. Ryan, I ask you this. After the buildup of wanting these two back together over the last three episodes, was the wait worth it? It was because of her. Last episode of the podcast, we talked about his performance and is Twitchy good? Can Twitchy be good? And her, roll my eyes, everything sucks, I hate everything, nothing's cool enough response to everything that happens should get old Mm -hmm. it should be stupid and yet my heart breaks every time she does it well i think it's like this is one show where the voiceover does really well is when she is alone just in her thought she says real human things like my heart's beating in my face in that great british accent she had like she's only human to the audience and she's the eye rolly Mm -hmm. everything's bullshit to everybody else so we know it's a full front she's not just a piece of shit the big problem here, though, is that uh, the reason that she's acting like this is because James sent her a letter that said, uh, I don't like you and you're stupid. And James at no point says, your mom made me do that and I didn't mean it. 
Is that stupid TV bullshit? It's it's such stupid TV bullshit, and this is like, it would not ruin the fabric of this show, which is not a soap opera based show, for him to say that. Where some like I know Arrow, everybody can't just tell everybody exactly what their plan is because that's how Arrow does. But this show doesn't work like that. Like it has Arrow definitely has days of its lives strand in its DNA. This show should just be everybody's like, oh, here's why everybody else is fucked up, so it continues to be these two against the world. And these two sort of have to be fucked up. Like if they're not forcefully fucking it up, then they will naturally fuck mm-hmm. it up. So this is what we're dealing with right now. What we need is like some sort of like a common enemy. Like we need to stop nuclear disaster by launching a squid into the yes. city. What could we drop on this couple, Mike, that might band them together and fuck their role? Maybe up? an equally violent, unhinged hitchhiker who's out to kill them both. Somebody sticks out their thumb at the end of the episode, and oh my god, it's the girl from the second episode. I giggled and clapped. I was like, yes, they're all going to just be in a car together. You giggled and you clapped, and then you turned it off and didn't watch <laughs> no. more because of this stupid podcast. Stupid po- I, I would be done with this show so many days ago. So fast. So fast. What is your moment of the week? Uh, her aunt says something stupid to her, and Alyssa like stares at her dead face with a long beat, and then the voiceover says, sometimes you can choose to not be a dick, and she just lets the dumb bullshit her aunt says go by. I'm like, yes, uh-huh. that's awesome. <laughs> Uh, my moment of the week is, I thought it was an American thing, but I guess it's a human thing. Um, Alyssa straight up says, I'm not hungry. And then they're in a restaurant, and she still orders something. Uh-huh. Like, and then you just let it sit there. Like, you don't have to eat it, but you have to order just something so everyone bucks, has a plate. Yeah, you need to pay $9 for this burger. End of the fucking world is on Netflix, and everyone else is done, and we're sad. Your next show is The Walking Dead. Uh, in this week's episode of The Walking Dead, Carol interrogates the captured whisperer. Mike, I ask you this. If the two of us needed to interrogate someone, who's the good cop and who's the bad cop? I think we would plan that you're the good cop and I'm the bad cop just because, like, my shoulders are slightly broader than yours and my eyes are crazier. But uh, our natural inclinations would turn out and I would just keep giving them milkshakes and you would just keep slapping them in the face. Hold on. You think your shoulders are broader than mine? This is insane. I, I have admitted that your butt is nicer. You have a bubble butt that I uh, I could bounce Thank 10 you. quarters off of uh, and I have admitted that your eyes are crazier than mine <laughs> your they roll all over the place but to say that your shoulders are broader than mine you have shoulders like a broad is that what you meant yes I was trying to talk like a Dick Tracy villain <laughs> <laughs> and by the way your games go all the way up all the way up to here the walking dead's on AMC every Sunday your next show is arrow this week on Ollie, Laurel, and the kids meet up with Anatoly in Russia to get some secret plans from a general, but run into Brat for trouble. Russia, you know? Meanwhile, Dig pulls Roy out of exile to get some plutonium because Dinah and Renee are doing something else this week. Taste Buds ask you this. Which plotline better handle the theme of wrestling with one's past directly, and do you buy their message? Uh, I, I, I will say that it is the Russian one because even though I watched this episode, and know my feelings about it. When you were just reading that description of Arrow goes back to Russia, I was like, oh, no, come on, again. And uh, I feel like that the show and everyone, Ollie and Atoli admitted, like, that was dumb in the past, right? But here we can make it better and move on. Yeah, it's make it better, move on. And so Ollie's big crux is, do I tell the kids all the fucked up stuff I've done to lead me to where I am today? And he's, even though they're 30, 
uh, he's trying to protect them because in his head, and he does. Uh, it was heartbreaking when he, he, she's like, "We're not kids." He's like, "When I look at you, you are. I've known you both as babies. Like I don't know you as this." Uh, that worked more, and that felt like a real parent moment. Do you teach your kids with your own mistakes? Where John's subplot, Roy is like, "I have this bloodless thing in. I'm just going to be a mechanic," and John's like, "I'm bored and lonely. No, <laughs> just deal with it." Uh, look, hi, I'm Diggle. Look, two things. One. Uh, no one pays attention to me, and I have to go do this thing, and I miss, I, I miss having friends. And two, there's no bloodlust. Like, that's not a thing that you can have. Just, like, fucking take a deep breath, Roy, and let's deal with things. But Roy had it. Like, Fia had it before. It is that the, the Marikuru uh, gives you that bloodlust stuff. Yes, but Diggle lives in a different world, right. even in the Arrow world. All of the magical special things, Diggle's like, uh, it probably didn't happen. <laughs> yeah. Normal life is fine. It's not a god. Whatever. My friends are all crazy. Uh, Breathe into a brown paper bag and you'll be fine. Uh, and it's also because they've decided, Dig and eventually Roy are like, oh, it's being part of a team, like keeps the bloodlust in check. It was him being part of the team that made them realize he still had bloodlust because he ruined a plan by just murdering a bunch of <laughs> cops in front of them. He said, you know, I think I'm fine. I don't have bloodlust anymore. As he was popping out the <laughs> eyes of policemen who were just doing their and job. And like, mm. <laughs> nah. <laughs> Ryan, do you have a moment of the week? Oh, my goodness. Uh, I think that my moment of the week was uh, Ollie and Anatoly hugging at the mm-hmm. end because uh, Roy has been so stepped on as a character. And uh, what's his name? Tommy uh-huh. Merlin is so stepped on. I don't care when they show up anymore, Mike. Please keep them out of the show. But watching Ollie and Anatoly hug and realize everything they've been through sort of made me realize that like these guys have been through some shit. Yeah, it's the difference between a best friend that you had in elementary school, Tommy, a best friend in like college, versus your actual real adult best friend who you go through real things together and you want in your life, even if at times you hate each other because you actually get each other, not because of history. It's your Russian stepdad who will sometimes uh, raise you, but also like uh, light a firecracker and then throw it at you while you're watching TV, and you have to handle that. <laughs> I legit couldn't remember where the relationship was when they walked in. I was like, are they going to try to kill each other? And he was just like, I own a bar. Have a drink. I was like, okay, whatever. But that's the other moment of the week is that they dove at each other ready to fight and then paused midair saying, where are we right now? How do we feel about each other? <laughs> are we good? Uh, a minor moment of the week I have is when there's the cage fight, the first big fighter we see. Definitely has like a Groucho Marx fake mustache on. It's so obviously <laughs> fake, and I loved it. Do you think that guy uh, got kicked out of the ring and the, but wanted to come back yeah. and then put on a mustache? So I'm not come back? done fighting. <laughs> the second was uh, Ollie and Mia are hostage by Bratva, and Oliver does the thing he always does uh, where he dislocates his thumb to break out, and the look of puke on Mia's face is the only time anybody's reacted appropriately to that. He can do that. I also love that scene because. Uh, he says, Mia, please don't come. You will get us in trouble. She does come. They get in trouble. Uh, so they're tied up on chairs. And Ollie, I think, does three sentences. He's like, are you okay? What's going on? How are you? Why the fuck <laughs> did you come, dude? But he waited yeah. till four sentences. <laughs> and that's growth, I that think. That is growth, and that's a good parent move. I also love, uh, so eventually she does the Bratva try to ring a bell and she just misses the bell. She does kick eight guys' ass. And somebody's like, you're just mad because you didn't ring a fucking bell? <laughs> like, it like calls how petulantly she's being out perfectly. You understand that that's stupid, right? <laughs> like, this is all stupid. Uh, Arrow is on every, is it Monday now? Tuesday, every Tuesday on the CW. Your next show is Black Lightning. On this week's episode of Black Lightning, Jefferson is torn between his loyalty to his family 
in his commitment to saving Freeland. Anissa's commitment to Grace deepens. Jennifer makes an interesting interesting discovery. Mike, I ask you this. Is every episode of Black Lightning exactly the same? It seems like everybody's hear what I just always read? making discoveries. And Jeffrey's always debating Freeland or family. Family or Freeland. Uh, Black Lightning <laughs> is on the CW on Monday nights. Your next show is Supergirl. This week on Supergirl, Supergirl finally learns the truth about Lena while entangling with Leviathan. John Jones makes a discovery about his brother's whereabouts. Taste buds, I ask you this. What question should Mike have written earlier before reading this paragraph right now? I would say, uh, Taste buds, where are your brother's whereabouts? <laughs> yes, I, and I would not know. I thought about that. Taste buds, where are your brother's right now? Maybe. That's the weird thing about having a brother is like, uh, their whereabouts are always unknown. Maybe Japan, we're not sure. <laughs> Man, but like. If our brothers are in Japan right now, that's a whole new can of worms that we have to deal I with. I guess. Are they fighting with the Bratva? Uh, Mike, moment of your question. Mine? What was your – yeah, your favorite part of that question? Uh, when you were a perfect partner and picked it up and kept going. <laughs> Supergirls on Sundays on The CW. Your next show is Riverdale. On the Thanksgiving episode of Riverdale, Arfie's <laughs> – Archie's Orphans Giving. Hold on. Here we go. <laughs> On the Thanksgiving episode of Riverdale, Archie's Orphan's Giving gets interrupted by Doctor's mom, who wants to kill Archie, so Archie's mom knows what it feels like. Unfortunately, Molly Ringwald has a gun and chases them out of there. Meanwhile, Jughead, Betty, and Veronica's parents spend Thanksgiving together at Pops and then go downstairs to the bar and have the bar fightness fight in bar time. Mike, I ask you this. How are we doing with Cheryl? I mean, we. Th- this is the story of this season. She is... The show is flailing with her and is getting... Is it bad? Is it bad? It's bad, man. Like I, There's certain level of wackadoo Riverdale, which every other plot line of this episode had and nailed perfectly, and Cheryl's is just... She's Cartman. They, this episode made her Riverdale's okay. Cartman. So there's a South Park episode that does what Cheryl does, but I would like to say that there ain't no Andronicus, like a Titus Andronicus, because a Titus Andronicus don't stop. The band? And then, so she feeds her enemies the body of her enemies. Uh-huh. That's what it is. Uh, four and 20 uh, enemies baked into a pie. And then later we find out that, like, she actually didn't do that. That's the part I have a problem with. That they pulled I, back? I, yeah, I like the cannibalism. I hate that uh, her and Tony later were like, isn't it cool how we didn't actually do that? And the, well, they better, like, I don't think Tony would stay with cannibal Cheryl. But she would stay with this Cheryl. What I want is Cheryl to have triple crossed, and they really did just feed him the uncle, but she was hiding it from Tony the whole time. Also, Tony, it wasn't them. It was your leg. And then Tony <laughs> looks down, and she doesn't have a leg. The sex is just that and, good. It's worth it. And Tony has to say, all right, that's, this is the last time. Like, you have to be normal from here on out. <laughs> Otherwise, it's weird. And then she hops away. Uh, we found out that uh, Jughead's teacher jumped out a window because of a student affair. Yeah. Yeah, but also that that whole his plotline opened with him going. I was wondering if you had any information about why Mister Chipping killed himself. It's the real, the most robotic way to start to talk about suicide. I do like though that uh, the uh, Jughead's rivals at the school mm-hmm. decided to get weird ass. Not Wolf. We're not doing Wolf heads anymore. But bunny, bunny mask and axes and, and scare Jughead and uh, uh, Betty, and then just, Betty just like. Destroys yeah. them. So, so, but like they, they're all, they're at the point in their lives now. Like I'm not dealing with this shit anymore, dude. I'm just gonna hit you in the fucking head. They're all iced out. Like Betty goes to 
like nobody's at Stonewall anymore. They're all gone on break. There's an ice storm, so it's just Jug and Betty. And uh, he's going to the vending machine. And I thought Betty was making fun of him because he's like, oh, nobody's going to deliver. And she's like, oh, I've always wanted to have a Charlie Brown vending machine Thanksgiving. And then idiot. And then she's like, no, give me this. But yeah, so somebody with a bunny mask and an axe starts walking towards Jughead. And he's not scared. He's like, what the fuck? Come on. What are you doing? And then Betty just whacks the person in the back head. And the kids freak out. They're like, we're trying to scare you. They're like, motherfuckers. We've dealt with so many serial killers that you ain't shit. I know, yeah. How you cannot compare to what we've done with it in our lives. And Betty says that. Like she stitches the guy back together, saying, uh, or right after she hits him, she's like, Oh, cool, fun. <laughs> this is a great prank, guys. You 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 really did it. Also, if you sk- trying to scare somebody with an axe, full rights on anybody whacking you in the back of the head. <laughs> I you can't agree. get mad. Uh they should be mad that like it wasn't an axe. Like Jughead should be mad that Betty didn't Yes, just weapon. murder him. How do you feel? Right. So there's Quill and Skull. They find out the secret society of Stonewall. There's five students at this fucking school. How do they have several secret societies? It is, uh, there's less students than Bayside High. Like, they all have the same classes together, and they sit next to each other. And then Jughead uh, finds out there's a thing where, like, he was not involved. So they were like, no, this is only for 80% of our students. <laughs> uh, this is for four students, this assignment, which is to... Write a suicide eulogy. note from suicide note, right? Mr. Chippings. I think they're trying to say it was just the dude and the girl. It wasn't an assignment. They, it was just a dumb thing they decided to do. And Jughead wants so bad to be the person that says they're bullies, and bullies by definition are cowards, and they're morons, and I should just move on. But you can't. He can't. He wants to beat them so bad. He wants to get victory. And he, he like. They've decided that they find out about Chipping's affair and they're going to throw these kids under the bus. And then the girl goes to the headmaster before Jughead can. Like, I don't know why he thought he could trick them while telling them he's going to trick them. Also, he said, better watch out. I'll put a bunny mask on. And that, that that's not going to affect them. Uh, meanwhile, Jughead's dad is dealing with a real bully. He has dinner with Hiram. And come on, Alice Cooper, you're trying to make this relationship with FP work. You're going to invite the fucking Veronica's parents to dinner? And FP, when uh, Alice Cooper does this, FP drops his silverware in the most dramatic sound effect way. Uh, I can't say, are you serious? So I will let my silverware say, are you serious? (laughs) And they're having just a good old time and reminiscing until FP clicks, shoves Hiram against the bar with a glass in his face and says, you think I forgot that you put a hit out on my fucking kid? It's like, yeah. Probably none of you should be acting like this is all fine. I did. I <laughs> yeah, forgot so that. I. <laughs> so I'm sorry. Um, have you ever, and I know that you have because, you know, you're a badass. Have you ever broken a bottle to make it shards to threaten somebody right at their throat? Yeah, but it always just shatter, it like in my hand and then I get a bunch of ouchies. <laughs> it goes right into your throat. <laughs> oh, no. Imagine if that was your throat. Save me. <laughs> I'm sorry about the threaten. All right. Uh, do we have to talk about RG? Deep fry a turkey? Do you like deep fried turkeys? I've never had one. It's just a thing I've heard about a lot. So when everyone was like, you can't deep fry a turkey, I'm like, watch more shows. Yeah, you can. Who, Who's more of a turkey? That deep fried turkey or Archie? It's fucking Archie. But it's fucking Dodger's mom, who she must be hanging out with Reggie a lot, because she has no idea about the turf war. She's like, why is my son in a coma? And her sons are like, where the fuck have you been? It felt like they called Trixie, and Trixie went to Watchmen. And so... They were like, all right, next up. And this is the most basic bitch Trixie I've ever seen. It's very true. Idiot. 
<laughs> All right, what's your moment of the week? Uh, at the very end, Archie's playing guitar to remind us that's how this show started. Um, <laughs> Molly Ringwood walks in and she's like, that was a crazy Thanksgiving. I pointed a gun at a woman and Archie's just like, welcome to Riverdale. <laughs> awesome. Uh, my moment of the week is, uh, it's the Spartacus. Uh-huh. How can it not be the Spartacus? Spartacus uh, Dodger's mom. Again, Dodger, a big time uh, crime boss in the town, has a mom that fights for him. And the mom comes down and says, like, I bet you're Archie. And then all of Archie's orphans say, like, no, I'm Archie. And they all stand up. And she doesn't know who to shoot, Mike. But she does. She's always like, I've seen that movie. Shut the fuck up. Spartacus is stupid. Uh, Riverdale is on Wednesday nights on The CW. Your next show is The Flash. This week on The Flash, Barry turns his attention to prepping a long-gated man for life without The Flash. But Raph ultimately teaches Barry a lesson. Probably had to get some strange. Meanwhile, Cecile faces her own moment of self-discovery while helping a recuperated Chester P. Runk reclaiming his identity. Ryan Chester P. Runk? Ryan better ask you this. Can you think of a dumber name than Chester P. Runk? I mean... There's always uh, Rester P. Chunk. <laughs> May he rest in peace, or rest her in peace. Uh, but no, if you are if you name your kid Chester P. Runk, I think you're doing it right. Hesher R. Punk? Do- I think that you ha- you're you having kids in, in a good way. <laughs> As a bit? I wish I could name people, and I would just name them all Chester P. Runk. You're all Chester P. Runk the second, Chester P. Runk the fifth. Uh, Flash is on Tuesday nights. Cool. Uh, your next episode is Stumptown. On this week's episode of Stumptown, Dex is hired by the manager of a politician to dig up dirt on the politician's opponent. <gasps> Meanwhile, Dex, Ansel, Liz, Gray, and Miles join each other for Friendsgiving. Mike, I ask you this. Is Friendsgiving a real thing in the real world, or is it a thing TV created to like keep TV characters together? I think TV created it, but I've have since gone to them, and they're a lot of fun. Because you know what's never at Friendsgiving? Uh, your drunk, bigot uncle that you're not allowed to yell at for some reason. You know what's not a lot of fun? Never being invited to a Friendsgiving. I've, and hoping that you just said that they don't exist. <laughs> I've I've never hosted one. Otherwise, of course, you'd be on. I've always been uh, a plus three. Like, I just show up there as well. I, you, I feel like that group of friends has to have a lot of fucking gumption and money and stable lives to do that. I I really like the whole not hanging out with family. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. But I do think that, yeah, I think that you're right. TV created it, and then millennials were like, ooh, should we? Can we not Dare we? go home? <laughs> that sounds great. But no, every Thanksgiving, I have to go to somebody's house. I don't have time for this. It's not that I don't have friends, all right? That's what you're thinking is that I don't have friends, mm-hmm. but I have plenty of friends. I'm sure. You always tell me you're too busy on Thanksgiving. Thank you. Oh, my God. Mike, Stumptown. So good. ABCs. Wednesday night. Uh, do you know what website Stumptown might be on if it wasn't uh, a show and an article on yourpopfilter.com? Uh, you probably yourpopfilter.com. That is it. That is it, yeah. uh, Where you can go to get all your Stumptown needs and everything else we put out. Instead of slash Stumptown, throw a slash Amazon on there. And then you shop like normal Amazon. The holidays are right around the corner, Ryan. And people are doing all their shopping. Yourpopfilter.com slash Amazon helps us while you help yourself. And then one more. We got one more. Patreon. Do you remember that one? Patreon.com slash Yourpopfilter helps us directly. You don't get gifts for anybody, but you do get extra tent for your ears and eyes. 
You don't get gifts of salad. Thank you so much, Mike. Uh, here to tell us about other podcasts that Pop Filter does is, of course, Greg Mavagno, the reverse and much better person than Mike Gravagno. Thank you very much, Ryan. All the podcasts. I like your voice, bud. Yes, everybody does. <laughs> you want podcasts? Yeah, go for it. Do you want to do a hilarious bit where I would talk about other podcasts? No, that'd be stupid and childish. Check that'd out. That'd be stupid. And Grike, I love how you know that that would be stupid. Check out the OCD, where Ryan and some not Grike talks about the best show that ever was, the OC. Or check out Movie of the Year, where week by week, they pick a year. And then, well, not week by week. They, it's movies. I really mic'd it up there. I'm sorry. No, it's no problem. You're fine. Uh, here to tell us about uh, social media is a mobster. Who does drive-bys in a very different way? It's Trike Bablano. Hey guys, how you doing? Do you want these newspapers? Yes. All right, here, take this newspaper. Then take a gun. It's a squirt gun. You've been mobbed. What am I talking about? Social media. <laughs> At your pop on Twitter and Instagram. You know what it is. Trike out. <laughs> Thank you, Trike. Uh, and here to talk to us about how to contact us is Mike Gravania, Mike's sister. Hi. It's been a while, Ryan, probably since the wedding. How are you? Uh, Mike Gravania, I have a question. Mm-hmm. Uh, your name is the same as your brother, but your last name has a different letter. Mm-hmm. Is that how things work? Uh, in Philadelphia, that is. In Philadelphia, you were born and raised. Yes. And... Where did you spend most of your days? The playgrounds. The playgrounds, yes. Cool. A couple of girls were up to Uh, no good. Did some rhymes on the jump ropes. Mike Gravania, I would like to uh, ask you a question. If you could just, from here on out, do an impression of a Paul F. Tompkins character, I would love that. I would love to hear that. Hmm. I don't know if I have that ability, Ryan. Oh, you don't? You don't have it? (laughs) I don't think so. Contact (laughs) AngryBuffFilter.com. I gotta go. (laughs) Thank you. Paul F. Gravania. Uh, that is it. That's the show. Next week, oh my goodness, I think that we are doing the end of some show. And the show is... <laughs> I'm just on the edge of my fucking seat. What's the show? The Walking Dead. We're going to review and watch The Walking Dead. And it's the finale? It's the finale or mid-season finale. Uh, the Mike, mid-season finales. We got Carol's. We got Daryl's. Who are you most excited for? Narrow. <laughs> Narrow. They're little sort of like tiger bat mm-hmm. that flies around with them. Exactly. Cool. I want to end this. <laughs> end it. Bye. Bye.